Welcome to It's a Question of Balance with Ruth Copland. Featuring stimulating in-depth interviews with special guests from all areas of the arts. And now, here's your host for It's a Question of Balance, Ruth Copland. Welcome to the show where we balance the intellectual with the creative, exploring whether we have more in common than divides us through thought-provoking conversations. For the topic hour, I go out and about and talk to people on the street about a wide variety of different subjects that affect everybody, both locally and globally. And for this The Arts Hour, I interview local, national and international guests from all areas of the arts. And the show combines a debate topic with an arts interview because I feel discussion and creativity are two of the most vital ways we engage with the world. This week, as my special guest from the arts, I'm pleased to be interviewing multi-award winning documentary filmmaker and photographer Michael Dominic. Michael studied film at the School of Visual Arts in New York City from 1990 to 94, and at the same time worked for the legendary Annie Leibowitz as an intern and photo assistant. In the mid-1990s, Michael was based in London, where he directed music videos, including three for Norman Cook, a.k.a. the wonderful Fatboy Slim. As a photojournalist, Michael has travelled the world and his work has appeared in dozens of outlets in the US and abroad, including the Sunday Telegraph, the Tribune de Genève, the New York Daily News, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, Playboy, Redbook, Le Figaro, La Parisienne and MTV, as well as many others. For over 10 years, Michael has dedicated his life to making work with social conscience. His feature-length documentary, Sunshine Hotel, about the last flop house on New York City's infamous Skid Row, The Bowery, one of the few remaining affordable refuges for the destitute and out of luck, won three Best Documentary Awards and was nominated for another dozen. After its run of almost 30 film festivals, it ran on national US television for two years on the Sundance Channel. His documentary, Tulips for Daisy, was also nominated for several awards, including a nomination for the Akira Kurosawa Memorial Short Film Competition. His latest film is the feature documentary, Clean Hands, which was shot over the course of seven years, 2011 to 2018, in Nicaragua. It tells the remarkable, riveting story of the Lopez family surviving against the backdrop of Central America's largest garbage dump, La Chureca and beyond. Clean Hands has its world premiere at the Cinequest Film and Creativity Festival. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hi, thank you, Ruth. It's good to be here. You've spent your whole career in the arts. Uh, I'm wondering if you can remember the first time that art of any kind had a deep effect on you, whether it was a book, a picture, film, music, some other kind of art, when you realized art has the power to affect us on a deep level rather than just entertain us? Well, I think for myself as a child, I always used film as sort of an escape. Mm. I, I, and, and as a result of that, I. I started putting frames around things in my own life. Mm. I would always kind of imagine if this were a film, it would look like this. Mm. 
Interesting. And did you, were you thinking of it from a perspective of um, having an emotional response or, or were you thinking of it more like, oh, this is a fun thing and, you know, I, I want people to uh, see what I've put together? Yeah, I think when I was younger, it, it was just a fun kind of hobby, I guess. But I, as I got older and I started I started with photography. I got a camera when I was quite young. Mm. And putting a frame around things, I think it also acted as as, as a filter. Right. In a, in a sense. Something in between me and what was actually happening. And I was a very shy kid. Mm. Um, so it kind of helped me, uh, while I was growing up, ingratiate myself with other people hmm. yeah did you grow up in a creative environment would you say or did you sort of come to photography and film for yourself no i i didn't grow up uh, uh with creative people really um i i my my grandfather loved films and he would show me uh you know, I spent a lot of time with him, and he would show me uh, all the old great comedies, Chaplin, Buster Keaton, um, uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy, and, and those types of films. And my father also loved films. So whenever I was with him, uh, we would always, and to this day, there's always classic films on. And yes. so that was a big influence on my my introduction i guess to loving film yes yeah and is that what you think attracted you to move into that yourself you know um from your from an artistic creative perspective you know you've chosen film and and photography do you think it was those that exposure to those films that you know really pulled you in in that direction rather than say art or music or something like that Definitely. I think, I, and I always found that films that had uh, some sort of social significance, or even television. I remember as a kid watching MASH, and being very small, but understanding uh, that the message behind what they were doing was more important than just the comedy of it. Mm. So, so early on, actually, you know, conveying something through art w was something that appealed to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mentioned in the introduction that you work with the iconic portrait photographer Annie Leibovitz. I'm wondering what influence that experience might have had on, on your own work. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I I worked for her for six or eight months back, I guess it was 1994, a friend of mine got me a an internship uh, with her. Mm. Um, and I, I don't, you know, I can't really say that it influenced me that much. I'm, I'm sorry to say it, it, it was a good, <laughs> it was a good experience, but it's so far from what I wanted to do. Um, though I love 
loved Annie's work. I'm a big admirer of her work. Um, But I'm also a believer that, uh, for, for myself anyway, that what we do, we should be doing service uh, in our in our work, you know, mm. not, of course, not everything we do can do that, but I, you know, I try to help my fellow man. And for me, my ability is to be able to follow a story um, and make it, I hope, interesting. Put a frame around it that's both aesthetically pleasing and compelling. Um, and you know, that's what I can do f- for the world. That's my skill. I'm not a politician. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a great orator, obviously. Um, <laughs> but I, I try to use what I have to, to do what I can. And that's, that's how I, I got into, as a professional, photography and film. Right. So from a um, photography point of view, that's why you were attracted to, to photo journalism because that was a way of um, presenting images that also hopefully were making a difference in the world as well. Absolutely. When, when I, uh, I wanted to be a photojournalist very early on mm. uh, uh, from probably my, my mid twenties, but I, I, like you mentioned in my intro, I, w- I was directing music videos and uh, it's a totally different lifestyle. I didn't enjoy doing uh, music videos. I always said it was like, it was like eating without getting full. You know, mm. you're 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 doing something, but there's no real satisfaction. Um, and then uh, I made my first documentary feature, Sunshine Hotel, and it, you know, like you mentioned, it did well. But immediately after that, I got a job at. Uh, a big magazine house, Condé Nast, mm. uh, doing graphic design and, and, and other things. So I kind of tabled those those dreams, I guess, mm. guess it, it would be, and went, uh, you know, for the paycheck. Mm. And I did, I did that for a long time. Um, and so when I finally decided it was time to really make a play for photojournalism, uh, I realized that that industry kind of was over as much as the magazine industry because everybody has a smartphone now. Mm. So it, it's not that easy to, to make a living. Right, yeah. Although, I mean, you did travel all over the world as a photojournalist, I, so you managed to do it for a while anyway. I, I did, I did, but I... I I couldn't make it a sustainable living where no. I could pay my mortgage. Uh, the no. days of yeah. of outlets sending you on assignment, uh, you know, with no no expense spared, is long gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I imagine you're going on some hunt for uh, Meghan Markle or something like that. There seems to be plenty right. of money for photos like that, doesn't there, unfortunately? And, and yeah. that's exactly what it was. The agencies here in New York, they weren't interested in, I, I mean, to some degree they were, they weren't interested in my photos from Haiti or from Guatemala or, or Nicaragua or wherever else I traveled. They were 
interested in me going to movie sets and getting a picture of Justin Timberlake or, or, you know, somebody else famous, Brad Pitt, you know, and I didn't want to do that. No. It's, it's, uh, and the people that do that, it's a very specific mentality and I, I don't have that kind of instinct. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you just joined us, you're listening to It's Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland, and my special guest from the arts this week, award-winning documentary filmmaker and photographer Michael Dominic. We're going to a break now, but I'll be back with more conversation after these messages. like the music from It's a Question of Balance with Ruth Copland? Have you ever wondered what the full songs sound like? Now you can find out by listening to the new EP, It's a Question of Balance Music, available from iTunes, Amazon, and It's a Question of Balance.com. It's a question of balance music. Download individual tracks or the whole EP from iTunes, Amazon, or it's a question of balance.com. Named Best Film Festival by USA Today readers, the Cinequest Film and Creativity Festival returns to Silicon Valley March 5th through March 17th. Here's Cinequest co-founder Kathleen Powell talking on It's a Question of Balance. You know, Silicon Valley is such a unique place. It's where creativity and innovation come together to empower. And that's our vision with Cinequest. This is where it all happens. We want every individual that walks through the door to feel like the value that they got far exceeds what they ever put into it. Join attending Maverick Award winners, beloved British actor Bill Nighy, and multi-award winning actor and director Nandita Das for over 132 world and US premieres, virtual reality from 56 countries, and a range of fabulous celebrations, live performances, and creativity experiences. I'm interviewing Maverick Award winner, educator, and journalist Esther Wojcicki after she's presented with her award, so I hope you can join us as well as checking out the festival films. CineQuest is a wonderful opportunity to see what the world's film community is creating. As Neil Gaiman says, it's the perfect festival in a glorious place. For the complete lineup and festival passes and tickets, visit CineQuest.org. That's C-I-N-E-Q-U-E-S-T dot O-R-G. 
Hi, I'm Casey, and I'm the second-generation owner of Bookshop Santa Cruz. We pride ourselves on being Santa Cruz's community bookstore. We feature an extensive selection of new and used books, children's books and toys, gifts, cards, magazines, and games. Our knowledgeable booksellers can help you find just the right book or gift. We hope you can join us for our author events each week, featuring best-selling authors and books of local interest. And if you can't get downtown, our website has over 3.2 million titles, which ship directly to your home. We even have experts on site to help you publish your own book or family history. Come visit us downtown or at our website, bookshopsantacruz.com. Bookshop Santa Cruz has been an independent bookseller for over half a century in the community we love. Visit Bookshop Santa Cruz downtown. We love our customers and the books that make it all possible. Bookshop Santa Cruz, online and in downtown Santa Cruz. Welcome back. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland, and my special guest from the arts this week, filmmaker and photographer, Michael Dominic. We're going to be talking about Michael's new feature documentary, Clean Hands. And I wanted to let you know that the film has its world premiere at Cinequest Film Festival and is being screened in Redwood City tomorrow and in San Jose on March 13th. And if you want to get more information about seeing Clean Hands at Cinequest, you can go to cinequest.org. That's cinequest.org. So, Michael, your your latest feature documentary, as I, I mentioned, is Clean Hands, which tells yeah. the story of four children living in Central America's largest garbage dump in Nicaragua, scrabbling mm-hmm. each day for food remains and, and how they get a chance at a, a better life and, and the benefits and challenges that ensue. I was wondering how you came across this family. Uh, well... As a photojournalist, I was on assignment in Nicaragua, and uh, I had a friend down there. She was making another documentary, um, and she said I should visit La Chereca, the garbage dump. So Mm. I did, and when I visited it, I had never seen anything like this in my life. It was not only a moving experience, but a, a life-changing experience. Mm. And in, in, so what, before, in what way, when you say you'd never seen anything like that previously? I, I had never seen people scrounging for food, rotten food, um, or living within inches of medical waste and, and children barefoot uh, searching for whatever they could to either eat or sell. Mm. Um, and so just know, the an idea- extreme poverty. Extreme poverty, you know, more than, than I could have imagined. Images generally don't do things like this justice. Mm. Um, and so I knew before 
I left Nicaragua on that trip that I wanted to to come back uh, within the next few weeks and find some worthwhile stories that I could share with the rest of the world. Mm. Um, so what made you want to tell this story about about this particular family? What attracted you to that? To them, well, I think when I started this, I, I didn't know the family right away. I started shooting several different subjects. Mm. Um, it turned into that it would just be about this family. I probably have another film in the can if I, <laughs> if, if I want to pull my hair out and, and go back to it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, but I, I saw this family. The, the, the first time you see them in the film is the first time that I see them. Mm. Uh, they're they're digging through the remains of um, fish and looking for whatever's not rotten uh, mm. to bring home and cook and eat. And they just were so natural in front of the camera. Mm. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, you turn a camera on someone and they, they stiffen up or they, they don't act natural. Um, including myself, if you ever mm. turn the camera on me, I, I, <laughs> I, I just stutter and look away. Yeah. Um, but these kids were, were very natural and very open, and so were their their parents. Mm. And the story also of this film also deals with their parents and the the problems that even after they get an opportunity to move to a, a farm and and have a better life. And the kids who had never gone to school get to go to school. Um, they they still struggle with themselves, mm. and I, I think that's something that we all do. You know, like mm. like they say, you know, wherever you go, there you are. Yes. And, yeah. And it's definitely true in this case, uh, especially with the mother. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when you when you first see the children in the film, the thing that I found surprising and engaging was, you know, that they seemed so relaxed and, and happy, you know, in, in, in yeah. at least in that, you know, that part of the film, you know, because and they're very, you know, they have a lot of camaraderie with each other and, and they're just sort of enjoying their day on this, this, this terrible, it's like a moonscape of uh, rubbish and and like you say, I mean, for us, watching that and seeing, you know, you'd think, well, aren't they going to die eating that food, you know, because they're just right. eating all this rotten food. But I, I, it, it was just remarkable just to see how happy they, they seemed, you know, at least in that moment, you know. And, and it's very engaging how they uh, uh, relate to each other as well, the, the siblings. Absolutely. Yeah. When you, when you, when that's all you know, that's, that's the norm. They didn't know that that living at a garbage dump and eating garbage was abnormal. This this was their life. This is how they grew up, and they they were very you know they're very close. They're four of them. They were their own little unit, and so this was their playground. Yeah. And the mother even says early in the film that you know when they're home, she doesn't let them into the street because the street is dangerous, but and if they don't go to La Chureca, the garbage dump, uh, any day, they suffer for it. 
Yeah. You know, that, that is their joy. Yeah. Um, and she mentions about the air, like, you know, she needs to go to the La Chureca, the garbage dump for, for clean air. And I was like, oh, just you know, it, it just is mind blowing, you know. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, and I, I can testify to that the air is not clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. It, it's one of the most it's it, I, I, not one of the most. It's the most toxic place that I've ever spent time yeah so how did you I I can see why you wanted to you know make them the subject of a documentary but how did you go about getting the family to agree to be featured in the film um well I, I I I started filming the kids and then I went I followed them back to uh their cart where we met the father and the grandmother mm and I had my fixer tell them what I was doing and if they would be interested. Uh, and then, you know, I, I just ingratiated myself with them mm. and became friendly with them. I, I spent a lot of time with them off camera as well. Uh, so we got to know each other quite well. And I, I think it, it for any doc, when you make any documentary, it has to be, or should be anyway, about trust between yeah. the, the subject and, and the filmmaker. Why? And, Sorry, go on. No, I mean, and if you think about it, you know, just in relation to your, your question, it's a very strange job, you know. It's mm. like I'm there with a camera. I'm like, hey, I'd like to follow you around for several years and tell mm. your story. Yeah. You know, it, 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 yeah. Why do you think they wanted to take part do you uh, know or <laughs> I, I i don't really know i think um the grandmother especially really loved me and i really love her she mm. she's a wonderful woman i i give her the credit for why those kids are as good as they are yeah today yeah um and i just really uh i don't know we we're so different, right? Uh, I'm I'm a guy from New York, and they're from Nicaragua, very poor, but we got to share our lives with each other. So I think there was a mutual curiosity. Yes, yeah, and also perhaps maybe, um, I imagine you know having some attention on you in a scenario where everybody's just sort of lumped together in this kind of awful poverty and just trying to, uh, you know, survive, um, must have been affirming in some way, I, w- I would have thought, you know, affirming of your value. I, I, I think so. I, I think that they, um, you know, they know from the start this isn't going to benefit them directly. You know, I can't right. pay them. It's you know, it's unethical for for people listening. Uh, it's unethical for a documentary filmmaker to pay their subjects. Mm. It it because then they become technically a paid performer and they're right. they're doing it for for the money. Yes, um, and it ceases to be a, a proper documentary. So they they knew that that wasn't part of it. But I think just that someone was interested in their plight in their story and that maybe other people would see this, 
I, I think that interested, at, at, at the very least, the grandmother. Yes, yeah. The film is made in the cinema verite style, which is concerned with notions of truth and reality in film and began in the 1960s, influenced by the British free documentaries in the 50s. There's quite a lot of variance in what different filmmakers of the genre see as the attributes of cinema verite. What does the approach embody for you? Yeah, that's true. A lot of people, uh, and and I, I, I have no problem with that, people think verite is one thing and other people think it's another. For me, it's like I want to stay out of it as much as I possibly can. Um, I, I, in the film, you see, I rarely am actually speaking to them. You, you hear my voice maybe uh, once or twice, and I am just there. You know, I don't, I don't like when they address me too, too often. Right. Uh, while the camera's rolling. Um, so for me, it's it's really about trying to ca- be a fly on the wall and capture. Uh, the, the 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 true essence of of what's happening yeah sometimes in cinema verite the filmmaker is considered the catalyst in in the situation being filmed do you think your presence with the camera acted as a catalyst in any way i i don't um uh, other than when uh, blanca says she's pregnant i i just out of concern i recommended that she go to a um to see a doctor, mm. which isn't in the film. Um, no, I, I prefer, I, I don't like to, to get involved as far as making anything happen. I, I, I think too many filmmakers do that. They, they kind of shape the story to what they want it to be. Um, and that's what I tell people because I, I get asked on social media quite often. Yesterday, in fact, um, you know, what advice can I give to somebody who wants to make a documentary? And I always tell them the same thing: just tell their truth and not your own truth. Mm. And for me, that's my guiding principle. Right. And then, and you always have to ask yourself. Why am I making this film? For what reason? And and it the answer always has to be for them. Mm. That's my ethos, anyway. Yeah, you've said you're not trying to convey a solution, opinion, or point of view with clean hands. Nevertheless, are there themes of interest for you in in this story? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I wrote that because I've had a couple of people say to me. You know, I watched your film and I really liked it, but I, I, what, what's the solution? Mm-hmm. You know, what, like there's no solution. And and in this day of of modern documentaries, like Michael Moore, who I like, I'm not I'm not looking to badmouth Michael Moore. I do, I really respect Michael Moore, mm. but his kind of documentaries are um, partisan. They're biased. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, he has a message that he wants you to to know he spoon feeds it to you and he's kind of tells you this is what can be done about it yeah a- and so i'm more of the school of, of the mazels where i just want to show you what's happening but like i said i shine a light on many issues i'm just not putting names to them you see kids eating garbage that's an issue 
Yeah. You know, you can make your own decision what you want to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, and, and so for me, that's, yeah, that's how I go about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can appreciate that. And it, it, there are, like you say, I mean, there's a lot of things presented that provoke a lot of thought and what you do with that. I mean, even from the perspective of the philanthropist who comes in and what you might think about what she does and how she does it. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, things to think about. We're going to go yeah. to um, a break okay. now, but we'll talk more about um, Clean Hands with my uh, special guest from the arts this week, award-winning documentary filmmaker and photographer, Michael Dominic. We'll be back after these messages. I'm Luca from Tramonti at 528 Seabright Avenue, steps from the ocean. We are the authentic Italian pizza and pasta restaurant, serving also organic salad and house-made dessert in a friendly family-style atmosphere, indoor or on our lovely patio. Tramonti is open every day, Monday through Friday, from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m., happy hour from 4 to 6. Saturdays and Sunday, we open at 11, and we also serve brunch. We bake our bread and prep our fresh pasta and pizza daily. We want to say grazie to the Santa Cruz community for supporting us since 2012. Allora, buon appetito. Visit Tremonti at 528 Seabright Avenue in Santa Cruz. That's Tremonti at 528 Seabright Avenue in Santa Cruz. And follow Tremonti Santa Cruz on Instagram. It's wonderful, that's wonderful. Named Best Film Festival by USA Today readers, the Cinequest Film and Creativity Festival returns to Silicon Valley, March 5th through March 17th. Here's Cinequest co-founder Kathleen Powell talking on it's a question of balance. You know, Silicon Valley is such a unique place. It's where creativity and innovation come together to empower. And that's our vision with Cinequest. This is where it all happens. We want every individual that walks through the door to feel like the value that they got far exceeds what they ever put into it. Join attending Maverick Award winners, beloved British actor Bill Nighy, and multi-award winning actor and director Nandita Das for over 132 world and US premieres, virtual reality from 56 countries and a range of fabulous celebrations, live performances and creativity experiences. I'm interviewing Maverick Award winner, educator and journalist Esther Wojcicki after she's presented with her award. So I hope you can join us as well as checking out the festival films. CineQuest is a wonderful opportunity to see what the world's film community is creating. As Neil Gaiman says, it's the perfect festival in a glorious place. For the complete lineup and festival passes and tickets, visit CineQuest.org. That's C-I-N-E-Q-U-E-S-T dot O-R-G. Can you imagine living without stress, anxiety or fear? And can you imagine a life filled with harmony and inner peace? Is that even possible? The Ananda Yoga and Meditation Center in Scotts Valley offers simple tools to help you become more effective at work 
and more centered in the face of life's challenges. At Ananda, we offer yoga classes for everybody, inspiring workshops, devotional chanting, and Sunday services based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Our teachers and therapists are highly trained professionals who work together to inspire a healthier you. And your first Ananda yoga class is always free. Visit us at anandascottsvalley.org or call 338-YOGA. That's anandascottsvalley.org or 338-YOGA. Welcome back. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland, and my special guest from the arts this week, filmmaker and photographer, Michael Dominic. We've been talking about Michael Dominic's new feature documentary, Clean Hands, and I wanted to let you know that the film has its world premiere at Cinequest Film Festival and is being screened in Redwood City tomorrow and in San Jose on March 13th. So to get more information about seeing clean hands at Cinequest, go to cinequest.org. So before the break, um, Michael, I I alluded to the uh, American philanthropist who features Mm -hmm. in the film and all the children know is this life of extreme poverty until she steps in and and buys the family a a modest home with some land um, with a plan to farm it. Was that an unexpected development for you? It was. Um, and that is one area that that the film influenced uh, the events. Because uh, Mary Ellen, the philanthropist, uh, was a friend of a friend. I had never met her. Mm. But I was looking for funds to help me finish this film mm. um, back in 2011. And... So I, uh, my friend said, you know, I, I know this woman. She's a philanthropist. She uh, she might be interested in, in giving you some money for your film. Uh, let me show her your clip. Uh, I think it was the, the scene of the kids in the dump. Mm. And uh, come and meet with her. So I was like, great, that sounds perfect. So, so I went. She lives in um, New Hope, Pennsylvania. I went down there and... Um, we watched the clip again together, and before I could ask her for money, she said, "I want to help these kids. What can I do?" Mm. And so I never, I never asked her for money. I said, "Well, um, what do you normally do in these situations?" And she says, "Well, I have several families that I've taken from uh, bad situations, and I've moved them to b- better areas, and I help them get started." and make sure the kids go to school. And, and, and I was like, go for it. And that's what she did. Mm. And so it became part of the story. Yeah. And, and that is an aspect, you know, the reason we were talking about it before the break was um, you were saying, you know, how you want to present just, you know, what happens without a, a kind of um, commentary of your own about that. And um, I think it, it is interesting to observe how, um, you know, with extreme poverty, I, I think, you know, when you have people with money problems, it's, um, 
it, it was the, what I took from it anyway is a clear sort of example of, you know, money solves money problems and it doesn't necessarily solve, solve other problems. I mean, you know, other issues that you have can be exacerbated, but um, um, the focus of the film really is, is the mother in the, in the situation and the tragedy of her life and, and how it affects all of those connected with her. At least that's how the film felt to me, that she she really is the central focus. I mean, do, do you see that? Is that a, a, a kind of angle that you decided to take with that, that being the focus? Um, yes, yes and no. I think the kids are, the kids and their progression is the main focus, but it's, you can't have one without the other. And, and everything that the mother does relates to the kids. Like she, I don't want to give too many spoilers. But exactly. She, yeah. <laughs> at some point, um, leaves the family for a time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I try to show how that affects the children. Um, but it is it, it isn't just about it isn't the, no definitely not the film is not just about the children it's about the whole family yeah and how and how everything that the parents do affect the kids yeah and i think um like you said i don't want to give spoilers of the film but there's some information given about the mother very early on in the film that you know mm -hmm. gives an insight into why she is the way she is and and also really um illustrates you know this sort of horrible cycle of not only poverty but sort of psychological and emotional trauma um i think you know that's very powerful yeah that that's right and that scene that you're talking about that we're not naming you know i struggled with putting it in or keep taking it out but i felt like because of the things that Blanca, that's the mother, uh, says and, and did later in the film, I felt like we needed to have that in order to have a good understanding of of why she is who she is. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I think if you hadn't included that, it would have been a different film, particularly as it's so easy for us to create the other and scapegoat people you right, know in situations right. I mean you know some of her behavior is very hard to um, understand and um, so I, I think if you hadn't put that in it would have been in a way that would have been um, affecting the truth of the situation because you the viewer would have drawn a very different conclusion exactly and I think that's that's one of the hardest parts in the editing process is what what pieces are you choosing in order for the real truth to be told? Yeah. You, know, what, you, you have to sift through everything to really get a good understanding of, you know, what's real and what's, what's not real. Cause you know, obviously there, there are some things that are not real, but then those things have a truth of their own too. And I know that might be confusing to the listener, but if you see the film, you'll understand what I'm talking about. When you say things are not real, you mean at certain moments they might have been behaving in a certain way because the camera was there? No, no. I mean, no? some of the some of the, some of the story that she tells. Oh, actually, uh, uh, yeah, fabricated, yeah. And, right? Yeah, yes. fabricated. Yeah, and then it, and then you you learn about it, but it it's uh, no, I, I yeah, I 
I try to keep, I mean, of course, camera always influences a situation for the most part. Um, that's why I choose to work alone also. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm usually, I have one local person with me and uh, he's usually outside away from me somewhere unless I need him. Because yeah. my Spanish, I, I'm, sh- I'm ashamed to say, but my Spanish is still terrible <laughs> after all, all this time. Mm. Um but that's not my talent. My talent is the film, I hope. Yes, um, yeah. I was reading that you um, shot nearly 200 hours of footage. And obviously with documentary filmmaking, as you, you've described, you're creating the story or, or presenting the story rather through A, what you choose to shoot and then what you choose to keep in the edited editing process versus you know following a script in, in a fiction feature. And so, I mean... It, it seems almost an impossible task to to hold that amount of footage in your mind and decide what to use. How do you do that, and how long does that take? <laughs> well, and and I'm a I'm a person that doesn't uh, I don't take a lot of notes. Mm. I, I, I keep everything upstairs, you know, in my mind. Mm. Um, so I, I I organize things um, like that, and it became it became daunting. For me, uh, uh, so I actually, because I had started editing this myself, yeah. Um, but it became like an anxiety to sit down in front of it and yeah. try to to put this story together. So I needed I needed fresh eyes, and I found a, a great great editor. Her name is uh, Alessandra Christine Smith. Um, and I had no budget, and she came in, and uh, we worked together for a year, uh, and took what I had edited, and then she edited about five hours worth of scenes, and um, and then we had the task of of getting it down, and you know there was just a lot of discussion, like what's going to move the story forward, what is going to, what's not necessary. Mm. Um, and then when we got it down to about two and a half hours, I brought in another uh, editor, a uh, consulting editor, uh, my friend Fetty, and she helped us what we call kill our babies. And, uh, you know, she's just like, get rid of that, get rid of that, get rid of that. Mm. And um, and that's pretty much the process. I think uh, the, that's pretty much the process of most documentaries. Yeah. Because you, you love everything, you know. Yeah. You, you think everything is going to tell the story. But a lot of the time, less is more. Yeah. Yeah. Was what you took away from the experience of making clean hands different to what you expected? Um, yeah, definitely. Because my original plan was to shoot for six months to a year I was going to just follow some of the denizens tell their story tell the story of the dump a little bit and Mm. then be done be done within two and as of uh the ninth which is today uh I started this film on the ninth in 2011 so it's eight years to the day um Yeah, so it it, 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 it it got away from me. <laughs> um, but I wanted to tell something that was important. And I think films like this 
are important, especially now, because it humanizes the subjects that would normally be unseen by Westerners. And in our current climate, living through what we're living through in this country, and, and frankly, around the world, the quote-unquote outsiders are being demonized. And when that happens, and when people become fearful of others, um, not only does it become volatile and dangerous, but it, they're also willing to give up their basic freedom. So I think showing showing these people, these people that, that could be in the, the fictitious caravan or at the border or, or just the other people that the current occupant of the White House is, is, is riling up his base with, I, I think, you know, you, people can love these kids yeah. and, and understand that empathy doesn't stop at the border. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a great quote in, in The Economist by Thomas Brown that said, where life is more terrible than death, it is then the truest valor to dare to live. And I think, you know, that that's what's not taken into consideration with these people who are traveling, you know, sometimes hundreds of miles to try and reach a better life. It's almost like it's just an aspirational thing, like you'd like an extra bedroom in your house or something. I mean, it's but these people are, you know, escaping from the most terrible situations that we can't even imagine. And so I think you're right in, in a film like yours, you know, the people who can't imagine what that's like, you know, you can you can see it. And it does, as you say, really humanize, you know, that these are human beings with just the same desires and hopes and dreams and and feelings that we have you know who've just by chance fate whatever you want to call it have found themselves in in this very very challenging situation that, that's right and in another way that it, it changed me is i'm w much more aware of being wasteful yes you know, yeah I, I i took that away as well yeah i i i I, my my whole shopping uh, routine for for groceries is completely different. If if it's if it could possibly rot and be wasted, I don't do it. Yeah. I, I I just feel like we have to appreciate what we have. You know, you see these kids; they're eating chicken from a fast food place that has already been eaten. Yeah, yeah. And so anything you throw away, it, it's just. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a religious person, so sin isn't the right word, but I'll use it anyway. It's a, it's a, it's a sin. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. We're coming towards the end of the show, so I, I just wanted to ask you, I'm very interested in the work of psychologist Alice Miller, who, who's written a lot about how art can help people process difficult events, whether these are events they've experienced themselves or events they've witnessed. I'm wondering if you feel art can have a healing effect both on those making art and those experiencing it? I, I do. Um, I, I, I really do. I think for me, when I went into this film, I had, um, I had experienced something traumatic in my life. Mm -hmm. And in a way, it put a fire under my, my, my butt to to do this to to i in a way i was running away from from this event and mm -hmm. 
I, I, I found that it, it brought me back home. Mm. You know, it, it, I was trying to get away, but it, it brought me back to myself. And mm. I, and I, and I think, like I said, I think that a film, not just this film, but films like this that show people that aren't white Americans can really help these people that are so afraid of these people. Yes, yeah. And I think also, you know, should just let listeners know that um, although it's about very dark, you know, and tragic and difficult things, that the film isn't dark, you know. I mean, that there's a lot of light in it and, and what you see, you know, in these children and... and um, you know the hope of of better things um even though you're you know you're not sort of guiding the film in that way i think you know just seeing the situation it it's it's not the kind of film where you're going to watch it and then go oh my god you know <laughs> just, I yeah wish... it's not like that no, no no it's um i think it's funny at parts it's sad at parts it's 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 joyful in parts but it's you know it's a heavy subject but it's not like this slow moving uh Thing that you're gonna have to lay down after you watch <laughs> no no absolutely not no no it's a really great film and i encourage people to go Thank and so see much. it if you're um in the bay area then you'll be able to uh, see it at cinequest uh, in redwood city tomorrow and in san jose on march 13th more information at cinequest.org and um is there a website people can go to for more information to follow the film going forward uh yes uh clean hands movie Dot com. Great. Well, thanks so much, uh, Michael, for talking to me. I really appreciate it, and I wish you all the best with the film. Well, thank you very much, Ruth. It's been a pleasure. Well, you're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland. And again, that was my special guest, award-winning documentary filmmaker and photographer, Michael Dominic. Thank you for joining me, and I look forward to being with you again next time.